0: Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything! In racing that happened in the last week, we'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome to Speed Zone. I'm Ben Cower on this Wednesday evening here in Huntington, West Virginia. Hope you're having a good Wednesday evening. There was plenty of racing action this past weekend. There's plenty to talk about here on this Wednesday night uh, and across multiple series. I'm a little under the weather, but you know what? The show rolls on. We're going to continue with Speed Zone tonight. It's the 13th episode. we got a packed panel uh, ready to talk and discuss many topics tonight. Obviously, uh, there was Bristol this past weekend. I was there. It was great. Wait, no, that's not the reason why I'm sick. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know, but it certainly the racing of Bristol didn't make me sick. There's Carson Hosevar Dale Jr caught fire, uh, Formula One, dirt racing, I mean everything, but we're NASCAR plenty to talk about tonight. but you know what? Let's just get into the show. Here's flag to flag. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. All right and I wasn't lying when I said there was a lot of racing action this past weekend. Let's start out, and really, wasn't just the weekend, it was the few days before. Starting on Thursday, let's start out with the Arca Menard Series at Bristol. It was a foursome at Bristol uh, for NASCAR. It was the Arca Series, the NASCAR Trucks, uh, Xfinity, and the Cup Series all at Bristol uh, this past weekend. Again, starting out with the Arca Menard Series. It was the race that would decide the series championship and the winner was William Sowalich, not just of the championship but also the race as uh, obviously Luke Fenhouse came close but had issues all throughout the race his number 28 machine was mashed and crashed and came up just short of the title race as again William Sowalich took home the victory in the uh, race at Bristol on Thursday the Bush's Beans 200 I love saying that race name the Beans race uh, <laughs> Jesse Love had to settle for second which was a rarity for him this year Andres Perez De Lara in P3, another solid run for him in the Rev Racing Machine, Jake Finch in P4, and Greg Van Alst in P5 in his last ARCA race of the year, Uh, transitioning at least into some truck racing here in the latter half of the year, and unless here in 2023. Now on to the truck series, again, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, again, at Bristol. And it was Corey Heim taking home the victory on Thursday night. Although it was Christian Eckes who dominated in his number 19 truck this week. It was with a white paint scheme, not the traditional NAPA paint scheme. But Eckes dominated, but had to settle for second as Corey Heim, on a late restart, took home uh, took the lead and then took home the trophy. So he finished in first. Christian Eckes in second. Grant Enfinger, another solid run for him in the final season for GMS Racing in the Truck Series. Carson Hosevar who we'll talk about later on this show, and P4 and his niece uh, racing number, uh, niece motorsports, excuse me, number 45 machine, and then Taylor Gray, another top five run for him in the Tricon 17. Now on to the Xfinity Series. Again, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, a Bristol Friday night, and it was Justin Allgaier, the only surviving junior motorsports car that ended up uh, taking home the trophy. He was the winner. Uh, Daniel Hemmerich put on one heck of a battle at the end on old tires, Algar taking advantage of an odd pit strategy. He came down for some fresh uh, some fresh good years late, late in the race. Dro had to drive his way through the field on a, lane, on a long, late green flag run. Daniel Hemrick used the top lane to his advantage best he possibly could in that number 10 machine. Possibly a little motivated by uh, his uh, promotion earlier in the day where he was announced that he would be driving the number 31 car for Colleague Racing next year in the Cup Series. Was driving his butt off in the Xfinity race later that evening and had to settle for second as eventually the tires just didn't work out and the lap traffic on the top. Ryan Ellis was in the way alongside another car. Hamrick got held up and had to settle for second. Allgaier the winner. John Ander a strong third place finish. Cole Custer in P4 and Chandler Smith in P5. So two colleague racing cars in the top five. Dale Jr. can't go without mentioning him. Led a decent portion of the race. This one of his two races this year in the Xfinity Series, just racing around for some fun and was literally was leading the race and he was on fire. Drove through the field and then literally caught fire. His fire suit caught fire as uh, something in the driving compartment uh, ignited down in the pedals and... Ended up scorching his fire suit a little bit. Had to pull the car down pit road and was pulled out of the car by John Hunter Nemechek's crew. So Dale Jr., fine after the wreck, had to, uh, obviously, was, was running top five when that, uh, miscue happened. But Dale Jr., another strong run. Certainly the strongest run for Jr. in the last couple years, especially in the Xfinity series. And it was not a, it was a ugly night for Jr. Motorsports, uh, as, uh, Josh Berry blew a tire early on in the event, took out teammates Sam Mayer and Brandon Jones, so it was a a rough night for Junior Motorsports, but you know what? It ended up with the trophy. Now on to the Cup Series at Bristol for the Bristol Night Race, and it was Denny Hamlin who uh, took home the victory, even though he was showered with booze, not talking beer, B-O-O-S. Denny Hamlin took home the victory over a charging Kyle Larson who had to go from last to second. It was just one spot short, so Larson had to settle for a second. Christopher Bell continues his strong run here in the playoffs in P3 as uh, Chris Buescher back to prominence with a 4th place finish. Ty Gibbs led a decent portion of the early part of the event and Ty Gibbs uh, solid P5 led the most laps in that race in any cup race of his young career. Uh, McDowell in P6, Chase Elliott in 7th, Brad Keselowski in 8th, William Byron in 9th, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. rounded out the top 10. Carson Josevar had to settle for an 11th place finish after having an incredible run. Again, we'll be talking about him uh, during this show. Now on to Formula 1 in Singapore, the Marina Bay Street Circuit on Sunday. And it was Carlos Sainz Jr., yes, for Ferrari, another team other than Red Bull, finally won. Uh, Sainz Jr. took home the victory, Lando Norris for McLaren in 2nd place. Lewis Hamilton of Mercedes in P3 and again the first race of 2023 that was not won by a Red Bull car. Uh, the Smart Mod Tour race at Lonesome Pine Speedway for the inaugural Mod Squad Nationals. It was canceled due to rain. Sorry uh, to announce that. And then uh, the NASCAR Wheel Modifieds Modified Zit Riverhead Raceway for the Eddie Partridge 256. Justin Bonsignor took home the victory. Mark Stewart in second. Ronnie Silk in third. Austin Beers in fourth. And J.R. Bertuccio in P5. Finally the World of Outlaws at King's Speedway. It was Brad Sweet with the win, David Gravel in second and Dominic Selzy in third and then on Saturday night for the uh, World of Outlaws 49er Gold Rush Classic at Placerville Speedway in Pennsylvania Michael Cofoid, Carson Macedo and James McFadden rounded out the top three again, Cofoid with the win. So that concludes Flag to Flag. We'll take a quick break here and then when we return the best segment of the show what's up this week? It's the time where I get to tell you what the heck is up this week in the world of racing. So we'll take a quick break and more racing action up next here on Speed Zone. Type 2 diabetes is a serious
1: chronic health threat in America. It affects tens of millions of people. Many people who have the disease don't know it. Diabetes can cause health problems such as heart disease, strokes, amputations, and blindness. Talk to your doctor, get screened if you're at risk, and learn how to avoid becoming one of the millions of new cases of diabetes each year. You can help prevent type 2 diabetes. A message from CDC and HHS.
0: And Welcome back to Speed Zone. I'm Ben Cower, and it's time for What's Up This Week, the best segment of the show, in my opinion, because you get to find out what the heck's going on this week and what the heck's up this week in the world of racing. So this weekend, it's uh, Friday through Sunday, so we got racing action for four days, not five. Sorry, there's nothing happening on Thursday this week, but Friday will be the World of Outlaws in the Before the Crown showdown at Eldora. So some dirt racing returning to Eldora. And then on Saturday, the World of Outlaws at Sharon Speedway, this time for the Federated Auto Parts Showdown. The NASCAR Xfinity Series will be racing at Texas, again, earlier that day on Saturday, for 200 laps at 3.30 p.m. And then also, Ona Speedway's Yes Chevrolet Yes Ford Season Championships will be at 6.30 p.m. again on Saturday. That'll be That's a, the local race here, Ona, West Virginia. So if you're listening and you're a local, again, that race will be going on we're going to decide seven titles that night, again on Saturday night. And alongside, the Pro Grand National Tour Baby Grand Stock Cars will be visiting. That's a mouthful, but you know what? I said it. Uh, Ona Speedway is the host of the event this year. Drivers from Canada, the United Kingdom, uh, all over. I mean, there is at least one driver from the U.K. racing at Ona this weekend. Can't say that for any other race this season uh, This season so far. So we got a Brit in-house. And the Baby Grand Stock Cars, again, running the show at ona alongside deciding seven titles that night. Uh, we have uh, a man racing for one of those titles on the show tonight. He'll be on the racing roundtable panel. you'll get to hear his voice later on and or I say later on in just a moment. but he'll be on later and that again that racing action will be starting at 6:30 p.m. on Saturday night again at Ona Speedway for the Yes Chevrolet Yes Ford season championships. and then Sunday, will be Formula One starting things off really early, one hour after in the beginning of the day, one hour into the day, 1 a.m., as uh, Formula One visits the Suzuka Circuit in Japan for the Japanese Grand Prix, again at 1 a.m. here on the East Coast in America, and then the NASCAR Cup Series at Texas for the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400 that rolls off the tongue at 3:30 p.m. EST at again Texas Motor Speedway for the first race of the Round of 12 in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. And then also, the NASCAR Pinty Series Fall Brawl is live at 4:30 p.m., so if you want to tune in to some Canadian racing action, and some American racing action on Sunday alongside some football, you certainly can. It'll all be available. There's plenty happening this week and weekend, especially on Saturday, uh, whether you're going to the Virginia Tech football game. Heck, you could go to that game and then you could come to the... You would probably end up coming to the races later that evening uh, if uh, I would probably be doing that if I wasn't calling the event, which I uh, love very much. So I'm going to be uh, spending my full day at the racetrack as uh, that's my job and I enjoy it very much. So uh, if you're uh, going out to the Virginia Tech game and maybe you don't want to watch uh, ranked men's soccer matchup here at Marshall later that night, you know what? Racing action at Ona at 6.30 p.m. So that'll do it for What's Up this week. We'll take another quick break here on Speed Zone and when we come back, it's going to be the racing roundtable where we'll have two panelists and my discussing plenty of uh topics in the world of racing here this past week and there's plenty to talk about up next here on speed zone
1: what you doing booking your travel yeah for both of you huh you and that nasty flu of yours
2: (coughs) The flu is a rotten travel companion. So travel only when you feel well. Get your flu vaccine and wash your hands often to leave the flu and other germs behind. For more information, go to cdc.gov travel.
0: A message from the Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, if you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew. Now that that's over, who's at the table today? And who is at the table today? You know, you should be getting used to them right uh, by now if you, were, if you were a regular listener here on Speed Zone because you know who's back in the studio. Sean Kelly and Dale Garrett. Welcome back. We're back. It's great to
2: be here, as always, in the studio.
0: <laughs> and you know, guys, uh, I have a cool addition to announce for this week. You know what we have now? I love cool new additions. We have a sound panel. We have sound effects.
2: Oh, you didn't tell us about this.
0: Yeah. This is a surprise. I've added sound effects. <laughs> Look, the crowd found that very funny. I don't know why that was funny. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe actually, you know what, uh, I have an audience laugh, but I don't have an audience cheering <coughs> yet. Oh, so they just thought that was funny. They're like, they yeah. Well, (laughs) it's a work Uh, in progress. You know, you know what they might say to me is, "Oh, brother, this guy stinks." Yeah, you know. Listen, I thought it was, it was worth the shot. It is. Maybe they don't like me, Dale. (laughs) (laughs) The the crowd's turning. They're turning on me. No, Uh, ready. Hey, listen. We got racing stuff to talk about And then we, we might be able to throw in a couple I have more sound effects up my sleeve I didn't just use all two of them There's more than two So, let's uh, dive right in To the racing topics this week Starting out with Bristol Whoa! So, the Bristol Night Race was this weekend, and it was full of great racing and great racing action. Again, Denny Hamlin came out on top, but uh, again, the Bristol Night Race and really the whole weekend at Bristol. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts and, uh, obviously, just takeaways from Bristol. Dale, you and I were at that race.
2: Dale, I'll start with you. We, we should know better than anybody, right? Because we were there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, the Xfinity Race, I thought, was fantastic. Probably the best Xfinity Race I've ever been to. Nobody really got away and dominated, and uh, Dale Jr. got out front and led 47 laps. Custer led it to start. Uh, Hamrick on the tire strategy that held the lead a lot longer than he should have. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Allgaier winning. It was just a lot of players up front, a lot of moving around, and um, just a lot of close racing.
1: As far as the Cup Series race goes, uh, Corey LaJoy's start to the race kind of... uh, Qualified well, interested me. Yes. He did qualify well. He started in the top ten, if I remember correctly. He yes. was up there early, at least, and he was fighting for the for the win in stage one before uh, and later wrecked in stage two. But seeing as how he has been kind of a mid pack driver for most of the season, it, it was it was cool to see him up front early in the race. And Joey Logano's end of the night also surprised me. He was six points up. From the cutoff line at the time of his, at the time of his wreck, and I would probably say if it weren't for him getting caught up high in the Corey LaJoy in the Corey Joy wreck, excuse me, he probably would have, he probably would have stayed alive, at least in my opinion. So, did he die? He he did. <laughs> no, he his did not die, <laughs> but alive in the playoffs. His hopes did.
0: Yeah, his playoff hopes died. His playoff hopes are dead. Alright, uh, you know, it was a uh, great weekend of weekend of racing at Bristol. I mean, Dale, as you said it, the Xfinity race was easily one of the best races I've ever gotten the pleasure of watching in the Xfinity series. Dale Jr. was up there. Dale Jr. drove through the field and then was leading. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just for one lap, it was like for 40. And the roof blew off the place. And the roof blew off the place. Uh, That place was electric when Dale Jr., not Garrett, (laughs) was in the lead. And uh, Jr., had a great race. That was the strongest he's run in all of his little Xfinity expeditions he's been having the last couple of years. Easily the strongest run he's had. And he's got another crack at it later on this year at Homestead. Mm-hmm. So he'll be back in that 88 sooner than later but uh, Dale was running very well. Junior, I should say I say Dale because we have a Dale Just on the say show. say Junior. Junior was running very well. There you go. And then he caught on fire because his uh, something exploded. Dale, do you know what, what caught
2: fire in the In the It was down in the pedals Uh, I listened a little bit to the Joe Jr. download That released yesterday And he said that uh, a fire From um, an electrical Box mounted behind the seat Like above the battery Caught some of the foam on fire That they have down there by the I forget the exact terminology he used To call it but it was a piece of Foam down by where his feet was And um, it was burning For numerous laps and he Finally, felt it going through his fire suit. And, of course, he gets out and says, I got a hole in my pants. <laughs> um, but yeah. Unfortunately, he took him out because he definitely would have finished, I think, top five. You know, I don't know if he had a winning car, but man it was cool to see
0: yeah with the junior running great in the xfinity race i'll stay in the xfinity race daniel hemmerich had probably the best the most inspired run i've seen out of him in his entire career at colleague he's been there the last two years uh, ever since he the year after he won the title with joe gibbs in in 2021 he went to colleague in 2022 had a pretty rough year and this year wasn't really very different you know uh, he hasn't really been competing for wins The same way that he was At least at Joe Gibbs In the 18 machine And this was the first time I think in that now 10 car Because they've swapped him For owner's points reasons But it's the first time At least in While he's been at colleague That he's been up there Battling for a win And he was on Near 100 lap 50 laps Something 50 to 100 lap older tires Than Justin Algar, Which With How the, the surface is aging at Bristol, especially how the top got ground down nearly a decade ago. It's more abusive to the tires, but you can carry mo- more momentum at the top of the track, and that's what Hemrick was using to his advantage. So He was scorching his tires. They were they were gone, but he was putting up a fight against Justin Allgaier on Brandt, who had the freshest tires in the entire field and drove through everybody trying to win the race, and he eventually did. But it was a great drive for Daniel Hemrick, uh, and I think if it wasn't for lap traffic at the end, I think Hemrick could have won that race. It just depended on which line the Lappers were going to commit to and ended up going with the top. And then Allgaier just cruised by on the bottom. But Junior, a great run. Allgaier ended up surviving Uh, the carnage. It was total Junior Motorsports failure, save for one car. Uh, Josh Berry blew a tire and took out two of his teammates on accident, Uh, even though Brandon Jones and Sam Mayer didn't seem to think it was an accident, which is
2: Silly. <laughs> they both got out of the car and immediately accused him of... Yeah,
0: potentially Josh Berry, the, um, he, who has been an employee at Junior Motorsports since 2010. I'm sure he he purposely took out two cars and himself in an Xfinity race, playoff race. No. Said, no. That, it's it's all a part of his master plan. You yeah. don't understand. <laughs> he's it's all a, he's a part of leaving, the plan. He's leaving anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he... Uh, I mean, he said that on Twitter. He's like, you think I would do that on purpose? Like, what do you think, I'm stupid? No, no. So Barry didn't do that. The truck race, uh, which is before uh i mean eckes obviously dominated and then heim just got by late in the race there wasn't really much that happened in the truck race but it was mostly green uh but unfortunate for eckes who had another strong run then Corey heim comes out on top that 11 truck is probably the strongest team probably the uh, the true title contender as of right now and then in the cup race you know denny hamlin ended up with the win. kyle larson was fun to watch run through the field and then oh my goodness Carson Hosovar in that 42 uh, Legacy Motor Club machine, uh, uh, and it was it was a pleasure watching him drive through the field in his what third fourth Cup race ever. Mm-hmm. And he, what did he get up to? Was it p P five or P four? I think it was fifth. I I'm, I know for sure for sure it was five. He was in the top five. He was running as high as fifth at the end of stage two, which he drove through. He, he he. was the Dale. We heard it over the radio. Yeah, that's what it said in PR. And he was the fastest car on track. And Cliff Daniels, when he was talking to Larson, he said he was the fastest car on track. Mm-hmm. Carson Hosevar in his fourth Cup race in the Legacy Motor Club Forty Two, which was in the bottom three charters to start out the year. By the way, because of Noah Gragson not running well and a you know a slew of of things going wrong. But I mean that team was at the bottom of the barrel to begin the year, and now it. it Charged into the top five with a with a rookie stripes rookie out of the truck series, twenty year person.
2: old driver, mm-hmm. and
0: Hosovar uh, hasn't really
1: struggled at all in the past three races. No, that he's he hasn't had in, in the Legacy
0: car. He's I was impressed.
2: I, I, so three times.
0: let's make that a topic. <laughs> There we go. So Carson Osevar got an incredible run at Bristol and, you know, ended up settling for 11th. He was trying hard at the end of the race. The car fell off a little bit and he knocked down the wall in the center of one and two in the last, like, 20 laps trying to catch William Byron and then he ended up getting passed by Ricky Stenhouse who was behind him. So didn't quite get that cup top 10, but Uh, He was uh, certainly Impressed A lot of people With that run at Bristol Proved that he could run With the best And run better Than some of the best In the Cup Series So I pose to you two Should uh, You know With his phenomenal run At Bristol Is Carson Josevar Truly ready To move into the Cup Series Full time in 2024 Sean I will start with you I mean already He's It was announced A
1: couple of days ago That he's running again In Talladega in Texas In the 42 In the 42 car as well At least for sure, this year. So, I, I for sure think that a full Xfinity ride is imminent, and I, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he gets. Uh, he he will certainly get offers in 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 the cup series in in the cup series by some sort of team after this performance that he's had and turning around the forty two car. I, I, I believe that he will get some form of cup series ride next year whether it be a full-time ride or part-time i am not going to make that guess but i i do believe that he will get some sort of offer
2: i'm with sean on a full-time x ride being it should be a guarantee at this point um but with him being highly impressive, I'm not sure that we can answer if he's ready for a full-time cup ride. I mean, it has Mm -hmm. only been four
0: races. Right. That is true. It's a small sample size.
2: Right. It's a very small sample size. Depending on how many, you know, like you said, they announced uh, Texas and Talladega he'd be in the car. uh, They could do more, but he's got the truck championship to focus on as well. So, uh, only time's going to tell on that, obviously, but I would like to see more out of him when I mean, we've had pretty diverse races between um, Darlington and, and Bristol. So, you know, its he's impressed for sure, but I'm not 100% sold on a full-time cup ride just yet.
1: And with the prices of charters rising as well, I can't imagine that owners will really want to fully commit to... A driver who has had a, a good start, but even even with that, even, even with the offers that he may get, and I believe that he'll get, even then, there's still going to be a lot of owners who don't want to take that, take, take that gamble on someone who might have just had a flash-in-the-pan end of the season and then, you know, you, you, you look around next year and then it, it's the complete opposite start.
0: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know if he's ready for a full-time ride in Cup yet. So, But I'll agree with you guys on on, on that front. But I think if he was in a full-time Cup ride next year, again, depending on the ride, uh, I think he would hold his own. I mean, he's held his own in the last couple races. He hasn't finished any lower than what? He's had three straight top 20s in that 42 car.
2: I think his worst finish is 20th or 19th. Right? Yeah, 20th in Kansas. Yep.
0: Yeah, he. I mean, he has run great in the full races he's run this year. I mean, he didn't get that chance with Spire at Gateway, because brake rotor blew, but you know, he uh, he has run very well. Bristol was incredibly impressive, and I mean, he's run... He ran better in that 42 car than Josh Berry did in the same amount of races, and Berry has a full kind. He has a full-time cup ride next year, taking over for Kevin Harvick in the four. So... There's no way that he is not on the radars of some team owners, but I think it also will depend on what is available. It appears, you know, Spire is thinking about, or appears to be, it will be going to three cars next year, and we'll be talking about Zane Smith. That will be the next topic. But, you know, that second Spire car is open because it it looks as if now it's going to be Zane Smith full-time in one, Corey LaJoey of course, full-time in the seven, and then there is a third charter, at Spire and who knows if uh, Personally I think A tremendous strategy Which I think would work best for Multiple drivers is You know you have Josevar full time In Xfinity with okay. just maybe, maybe even a season down there you run him In the 77 for Spire with a partnership With Junior Motorsports mm-hmm. and You run him in the majority Of the cup races in that second Or third Spire car because now Trackhouse Is going to have an alliance with Spire next year And you put Shane Van Gisbergen in the car for a decent amount of races too and I think you split the car between Josevar and Van Gisbergen to get both of them the amount of experience required to move on into Cup by 2025 because I think you don't necessarily want to Joey Logano Josevar and Logano's going to end up a Hall of Famer you know but he had a rough go of it at Joe Gibbs Racing when he was rushed up around the same age I think Lagana was a year younger he, right
2: he was 19 when he started his cup career yeah, yeah.
0: full-time in the Cup series at 19 and I'm not saying that is sliced bread too but I'm just saying that you have to be careful because that there was a cautionary tale to Logano even though it ended up working out it didn't work out for him at Gibbs even though the equipment was fine it was you know Joe Gibbs racing equipment it was. <laughs> Some of the best equipment in the garage at the time In 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012 And still Logano Just didn't mature until about Five years into the Cup Series When he's able to win on a regular basis And compete uh, for wins normally But Josevar Who knows if he'll be the same Maybe you throw him in a Cup car full-time next year And he's able to go out and maybe win a race I don't know or Who knows what uh, is up next for Josevar I think the smart option though Would be to run him part-time in Cup, but split that ride with Van Gisbergen and, and potentially a third Spire car. But we will talk about Spire. Right now, as there was some news this week, uh, Spire Motorsports bought. A third charter, it purchased the Live Fast Motorsports Charter for $37 million. It was upwards to $40 million, uh, but between 37 to $40 million, dollars, a specific number wasn't named as far as I know, but it was between that range, which is easily the most expensive charter ever sold, and Spire making a big move in the market, to now sign Zane Smith in a partnership where it will be running Zane Smith. Smith signed by Trackhouse Racing. And so Smith is under contract with Trackhouse and he will be driving a Spire Motorsports Cup car next year full time. So I know it, it might sound a little bit confusing, but I'm just trying to explain this in the plainest terms I can. And Zane Smith again will be full time under a Trackhouse contract driving for Spire, so essentially loaned out, but there is a partnership there between Trackhouse and Spire. And who knows, that third Spire car, could be it could be Shane Van Gisbergen. So I'll ask a double question here to the panel. Is Spire expanding too fast? Can it handle having three full-time cars in the Cup Series next year? And with Zane Smith signing with Trackhouse to run that Spire car in partnership with Trackhouse, and with Shane Van Gisbergen on the way and Smith now signed, is Daniel Suarez in the 99 car who didn't make playoffs this year as teammate Chastain did in the one car, is Suarez on the hot seat, and can Spire even handle having three cars? Dale, I'll uh, pose this double-edged question to you first.
2: I believe Spire can handle it. They have, I don't know if I should use the word comfortably, I ran two because of the 77, but then again, the driver the tenant is also debatable. Um, so I, th- I think they can, especially you know, with partnering with Trackhouse, uh, a growing organization very quickly and they've shown success also very quickly. And as for Daniel Suarez, I fully agree that he's on the hot seat because the talent that is behind him, as in VARS uh, and Smith, Gisberg. Ben mm-hmm. it he's... He hasn't lived up to the performance that they would like to see. He has one career win. Yes, he has an Xfinity Championship, spent some time in some lower grade teams, but he just this is what his second season in the 99 not making the playoffs out of 3 seasons
0: i mean in 2021 <laughs> excuse me it was uh they were with RCR and it was essentially like a third RCR car kind of it was it was that car was prepped out of RCR shop and then the last two years though it's all been in-house track house stuff and he made the playoffs in uh, 2022 after winning Sonoma and you know it was fairly fairly consistent that season but had his ups and downs but this season was a lot more struggles and it wasn't just Suarez you know to clarify mm-hmm. Chastain and the one team really lost a lot of pace around June too and he, he won Nashville but you know Trackhouse has been a little off this year compared to last year but even then Chastain ended up making the playoffs and he was able to go out and win a race and Suarez was not.
2: I just think when you look at your lineup of drivers and of potential drivers that you have, Suarez is the weakest link. Even though he may have the most experience, I think he's the weakest link. Uh, it's just, I don't, he's, I'm sure that he knows that he's on the hot seat, and that's pressure. And if he can perform under pressure, you know, we'll have to just wait and see but uh, I truly believe he's on the hot seat.
1: I, I agree with that. I, I, I also believe that Suarez ends up being the odd man out in the in, in, in the track house system. even though he has had some uh, as Ben said ups here and there, I with as it's been mentioned with the talent that's coming in, I, I, I don't think that he, he, I I don't want to say he doesn't last, but it, it's it, it the the outlook does not look good. And in terms of Spire expanding too fast, I wouldn't say that, but I will say that I believe three cars is probably the limit for Spire. It, running two cars was okay, but performance wise, it was uh, a little a little shaky. But I. I believe that with Trackhouse forming an alliance with Spire, I, I think that helps it a little bit. But I I would probably say that three would be about the limit, but I still think that it can run comfortable, comfortably with three cars.
0: You know, I... Uh, with regards to... I'll start off with Spire. I think Spire wouldn't have made the move if it didn't think that it could handle running three cars. Because f- upwards to, I'd say, about $40 million. That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot of money to invest in something if you didn't believe in it. And clearly Spire, it believes in being able to run three cars. It's making a big parlay here. It's making a big move. It's quite literally the biggest move ever with charters. Dropping $40 million on a charter when charters might not even be a thing after 2024 based off of you know when and if the, the current charter agreement ends at the end of next year. So this might be $40 million for near nothing in a year or so. So this is a a pretty big and bold gamble by Spire. Uh, you know, it has not been able to, you know, J- Jeff Dickerson and T.J. Puker, who, who co-own, they're, they're co-runners and co-owners of, of Spire Motorsports, and... They have founded their entire thing, uh, founded the entire program on a slow growth build. They don't want to do any of it without debt. There's no doubt going to be probably some sort of debt from this purchase. But if it was, who knows? If Trackhouse assisted in it, who knows all the in specific ins and outs? But again, Spire has never expanded without it being calculated. It's not a, a rush job of an expansion to we got to get as many cars as possible on track. They don't do anything without running it by the bank, or trying to think about the numbers of the situation. Heck, it's why the 77 has been so off pace for, for the last couple of years, because it's strategically, they're not spending the same amount of money on the motor in that car as they are with the 7, because they can't afford it. And now, it's going to three cars next year. You know, I, I, I appreciate the, you know, the aspirations of the team, And, you know, heck, it could go out and get Hosovar in the 77 full-time, Zane Smith in the 78, you know, and and, uh, LaJoey in the 7. And it could have three tremendous drivers in those cars for next year. But even then, I don't know if it will be able to handle it for a full year. I think, and hear me out, I think if it goes three cars and it doesn't tear up anything, which would be a miracle... If that team and its drivers keep it clean, I think the expansion works. If that team has a lot of repair bills next year across three cars, I don't think it does. We saw this with our racing in Xfinity, where it overexpanded a year or two ago. And then quickly, as quick as it expanded to three cars, it has now fallen back right back down to earth at one car. And it barely hung on this offseason. And, you know, obviously there's a lot more money In Spire Motorsports in the Cup Series Than in Hour racing in the Xfinity Series But the philosophy is the same It was ultimately The tearing up of too much equipment at Hour That put it in that gigantic hole It wasn't able to sustain the same competitive level As the season went on And I think if Spire goes through the same troubles next year I think it could be in for some pain You know, starting around halfway through the season I don't think it would be able to handle it It would have to You know, trudge through those waters Because it has three charters It has to enter three cars every single race And with Zane Smith I think it's a phenomenal pickup It's beyond me how Spire landed Zane Smith Considering, you know, he was rumored to go With any Ford team, you name it But it just miffs me I'm miffed As to how Ford lost Zane Smith It it is just, it confuses me So much, because he was the The best guy in the pipeline and you lost him to not just, you'd think uh, maybe, you know, Hendrick is full, but you'd think he'd go to a top program somewhere, maybe like a, a top Toyota team or a top Chevy team. Or, but he ends up at Spire, which is, you know, fairly middle of the pack at best in a second, if not third car. Well, he completely leaped the Xfinity series, though. Yeah, and completely leaps the Xfinity series, too. You know, it's, again, it's a gamble, but he showed that he's been capable of in running in Cup this series as a top 10 I think in a front row car because he's been running top 10 uh, or part-time in cup this year so I think he's capable of making the jump but at the same time you know I don't know even though he's a truck series champion I don't know how Ford lost sight of that in this in this whole deal it's it just is beyond me so you know what we'll make that that'll be the next topic here (laughs) is specifically with losing Zane Smith Ford where does it go now For a driver pipeline Because Zane Smith Was its only champion In the lower series Dale I'll start off with you here Where the heck Does Ford go?
2: You invest all of your money In Harrison Burton <laughs> That's it Really? That's your yes. answer Harrison Burton Yes Because he has the worst Average finish In the Cup Series right now Below every single team Out there
0: Do I need to cook up uh, A Benny Hill Hilfing?
2: No. no No you don't <laughs> I just wanted to put that Out there But, yeah. on, but on a real note They're just going to have to steal somebody. I mean – Poach. Yeah, they're going to have to steal somebody. The two names that I look at that would be pretty good pickups for them is Christian Eckes, getting him away from – I don't even know if he is a Chevrolet driver, but he's driving a Chevy right now in the truck series. But Mm -hmm. you need to try to get him because I feel like he's showed a lot of promise this year. And then Corey Heim, which would be a very tall task, but Toyota has a history of losing drivers or running out of room. Those are the two names that I look at that Ford could potentially, in your words, poach mm-hmm. uh, because um, all this uh, backing in Harrison Burton, it ain't working out too well.
0: The, that is... Oh, brother, this guy stinks! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Two years of like 30th in points in a Penske car. Yes. But that deck's imaging money is good, though. It's great. It's It must be really good. <laughs> It's, I it's, I cannot I cannot believe that Zane Smith is a Chevy driver next year and Harrison Burton is still a Ford Cup driver. I'm sure Harrison is the absolute nicest person in the world, but oh my goodness. <laughs> and I mean the other drivers. Sean, you continue. <laughs> the other drivers
1: at, at at Ford as well. I mean it, it would it would obviously be cheaper to just go and uh, I I wouldn't even say safer, but with. Uh, just staying in in house with Ford, uh, with some of the other Ford drivers that they have with with Custer. I mean, but, but Riley I, Herbst, it, Riley Herbst, Ty Majeski has had a solid season. Ryan
0: Sieg and line trucks really strong guys. Haley Deegan, <laughs> but but th- that uh, Matt Crafton. going with <laughs> <laughs> old is the sands of time in itself. It's going with. Uh, Uh, Staying
1: within the system, I do not think is a good option for Ford. I would also agree that looking elsewhere for a a top prospect would be the best option. However, I don't really know where Ford would even really go, aside from maybe Toyota, as Dale mentioned, with its its history, Mm. and possibly and just hoping that someone runs out of room somewhere. But I just, it just really opens up a question mark of who you really have left. Fra- Frankie Muniz is a, is a Ford driver, yeah. isn't
2: he? Put him in 38.
0: <laughs> Put him up there. <laughs> the, uh, Noted rookie, Frankie Muniz. <laughs> you know, he, he's been okay in ARCA this year. but, he, hey, he my, has, but. my my take on, on this is Ford needs to go where it, it needs to get past money and nepotism, which is hard to do in racing, you know, because obviously you have both in Harrison Burton which is why, I mean, he won races in Xfinity, he looked good in that 20 car at Joe Gibbs Racing when he was driving for it in the Xfinity series, but obviously, it was skewed, <laughs> it looked skewed I mean, Ty Gibbs looked like he was going to set the world on fire with how he ran in Xfinity last year and it comes up to cup he hasn't won a race You know, he's been running better, but he didn't make the playoffs, you know, and and you're just able—it's hard to—it's almost like a facade in in a way where you don't know how good someone is coming out of the Joe Gibbs Racing program in Xfinity. Who knows? John Hunter Nemechek might struggle in cup. I still think it's a good move. I don't think he will, but he could in the 42 car next year. Uh, In regards to Ford— you know, it needs to look past money and nepotism. Why is Cole Custer in a Stuart Haas racing car? Because Joe Custer co-runs the team with with Tony Stewart and Gene Haas. Okay, and you go to Harrison Burton. Why is Harrison Burton there? Dex Imaging is his sponsor, brings a lot of money. And then also, he is a member of the famed Burton family. The Burton family dynasty, you might as well call it, here in NASCAR. You know, Jeb is also At least, you know, Jeb has also won races too He's in the playoffs this year in Xfinity So like, Jeb is a good driver too And, you know, Harrison was in Xfinity But he just hasn't been to that level in Cup yet he's a, It's ironically enough he, He's on a very similar trajectory to Elliott Sadler In that 21 car Oh no Where <laughs> Elliott Sadler was wow. He was DNQing some races in the 21 car Did flat nothing in the 21 for two seasons And then went out and won Bristol in his third year Okay. Who knows? Maybe the Harrison-Burton event will happen That's, what, that's what you're saying The light at the end of the tunnel is near for yeah, Harrison-Burton Yeah, maybe this is Ford's big gamble with Burton But, you know, Riley Herbst obviously is yet to win a race Across, what, three years now? Two, three years in the 98 car uh, For Stuart Haas and Xfinity Also, you know, Cole Custer's teammate And improved on the consistency side Just hasn't been able to get that win And uh, I think Herbst, you know, could be a cup-level driver But not... Not in like top equipment, you know I think he could He would earn himself a ride With like a, a back half team At least right now On a talent basis And accomplishment based basis Ford needs to go out and poach somebody He needs to play by everybody else's rules And go out and poach people from other programs uh, specifically, Ford or Toyota. It's always happens with Toyota. Toyota has too many prospects and then it can't fit all of them into rides, and then, you know, it, it, it just can't move guys up to the next series. You know, if Corey Hine doesn't have a ride for next year, if i if I'm Ford performance, I go out and I poach Corey Hine. Mm-hmm. Like the only you go down further down the ladder, you have Ty Majeski. Too, who I think is a, a phenomenal driver. Easily, he'll go down as one of the best to ever drive a late model mm-hmm. uh, on the same level of a, of a Rich Bickle or a Dick Trickle in this country. I mean, Ty Majeski is a, a legend when it comes to late models, but, you know, in trucks, he's also done great. And I don't, you know, he should logically be in, a, in an Xfinity car next year, probably, but who knows if that'll happen. Maybe he'll just stay in a truck. Ford doesn't know what it's doing or at least it appears That it doesn't know uh, Do I think he's ready to go to Cop no you know And there's like again Matt Crafton who's As old as the pyramids in you know In Egypt you know <laughs> and And Haley Deegan who Might be out in NASCAR at the end of the Season so needs to be Yeah, And has not lived up to the expectations That were set and expected Of her upon moving up but uh, From Arca and canon east and west back when that it was named that but i don't know ford needs to look outside of its own territory and what it's got right now it needs to search for guys like it needs to go out and poach guys like cory heim or, or poach guys like jesse love or, or poach talents that are winning races and that you know maybe they have a little bit of money but okay they are talented unquestioned and you put them in a ford
2: I just wanted to add that numerous times on this show, I've said it takes years for drivers to develop. I don't see that hap- happening with Harrison Burton. I-, I don't. I just don't see it happening. You know, it's least with, I'll use this example, I always use William Byron. He wasn't He wasn't good, but he wasn't that bad yeah. in his first few years. Granted, he was winning
0: polls, you know, and that was when Hendrick was bad in like yes. 2018 and recovering in 2019
2: granted it wasn't a hendrick car and we're talking about a wood brothers which is prepared in the penske shop those so cars
0: are out of the penske shop yes i so can confirm that yes
2: so yeah. it's 100 percent a penske car you know a little bit of a difference there but uh, i i just i've lost all hope <laughs> for
1: him and it has already been a couple of years in in that ride for harrison burton as well yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so on, on the on the uh, chat about drivers that, you know, maybe they have some animosity being directed towards them. Denny Hamlin. <laughs> uh, uh at least in recent weeks and all throughout this year, really, seems to be really truly embracing that villain role where he's feeding off of the fans, booing him relentlessly at every single race weekend. But you know what? He continues to win, and he continues to do well. So... Denny Hamlin, should he attempt to try and patch his relationship with the fans, or he is, or is he truly NASCAR's next villain? Sean, I'll start out with you.
1: I don't know why Denny Hamlin would ever try and patch things up with uh, with the fans. It, it's too far gone at, at at this point between the feuds that he's had. kind of said that about Kyle Busch over the past couple of years. I, I mean, Kyle Busch has uh, been seen in a different light from fans in recent years because he drives a chevy <laughs> it's
2: because he <laughs> drives for the guy who punched him <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> possibly but also you know it's as it's as the saying goes time heals all wounds and with kyle bush in the latter half of his career and sort of shedding the personality uh, uh, a little bit of uh how he used to be that's warmed him up to fans, but between the feuds he's had over the past few years and with the comments that he made after Bristol with the, I just beat your favorite driver, who, all of them, and the the move that he did after the press conference where he took out the sword that that he won and was telling uh, telling the reporters you know no oh, don't don't mess with me and like walking out with it i i i there's really no point in trying to move back from the villain role at this point i mean i saw the same thing at, at pocono remember when he well, after he won the race the all the fans are booing him some even throwing stuff at him and he hops out of the car and throws his hands up in the air, sort of like that one scene, the the are you not
0: entertained (laughs) quote. quote. He was doing that uh, even over the summer. I'll now pass it to the Kyle Larson fan who Denny Hamlin has used up a lot this year. Dale Garrett, what are your thoughts on Denny Hamlin becoming uh, NASCAR's next villain? Is he or should he repair that relationship? He
2: should not repair the relationship, and I'll take this perspective first, then I'll get into my own biased perspective. (laughs) Uh, NASCAR needs a villain. It always does. Um, Feuds are great great for ratings. It's entertainment. NASCAR needs a villain and Denny fits that role perfectly because he, he just he doesn't care. He uses people up. He makes snide comments. He is a little bit egotistical and he just fits the villain role perfectly in taking the Kyle Busch spot who has become an old man dad selling chicken and biscuits or <laughs> croissants. <laughs> so denny fits the role perfectly i believe you know uh what sean brought up at pocono yeah pepperidge farm remembers that over here <laughs> for sure um you know in kansas kansas and you know you just look at the last like five six years you got chase elliott martinsville that big whole ordeal we'll in twenty 20- seventeen. Remember, yes um, Alex Bowman at Martinsville Yes Which was glorious by yeah, the way. It was very funny uh, With Ross Chastain The feud that yes. they had
0: last year He got a taste of his own
2: medicine Joey yep. Logano over the past 10 years really But mainly at, at Martinsville And over just the past few recent years There's Joey Logano
0: Yes too, That fight at
2: Martinsville That's what I just said That is what you just said <laughs> Oops Anyhow, anyhow um, <laughs> But no it's Any driver up front Denny's probably messed with them at some point you know Kevin Harvick even Um, everybody's just tired of Denny's crap and he's he just continues to drive like a jerk using people up week in and week out and he's embracing the role which I think is very healthy for the sport you know and at the same time it's just it's great it's great to see But I hate to see it But it's great Mm -hmm. to see If that makes sense
0: Everybody wanted that Out of Chastain And they were getting it For a little while And then Mr. H Had his talk Mr. H being Rick Hendrick Had some sort of a chat With uh, Ross Chastain Earlier on in the year And then Ross settled down (laughs) So NASCAR needs someone To to wear that black hat Every once in a while And Denny Hamlin I think should be That guy right now Where Again I, I agree With the sentiment That he should play The villain I think he should be the villain role. I mean, he's in the twilight of his career. Kyle Busch's relationship with the fans is healing. And somebody needs to step into that role. You know, Chase Elliott has been <laughs> making some strides towards it this year, but fans love him too much to hate him. It's like, they, I don't think the fans could ever hate Chase Elliott. It's way more of a 50-50
1: relationship than yeah. than a, a villain role.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and but, even
1: in even in his, his drive, it's not even necessarily because of his driving or, or the moves that he makes necessarily with uh, as it is with Denny Hamlin at, at least it's not even really that case.
0: all right so is the uh, we got a couple minutes left here in the show let's uh, we'll speed up things and we'll go on to the next topic. Matt De Benedetto is no longer driving for Rackley WAR as of yesterday uh, the team released him. He said, you know, about a week ago that he was going to be moving on, and we chatted about it. Where could he possibly be going? It was Well, it was more than a week ago. It was about two two weeks ago at this point. And he announced that he was going to be leaving the team at the end of the year. But, you know, a team that he ended up making the truck playoffs with, now he's out of a ride. He has nothing for the remainder of the season as of this moment. And d- did, you know, did Rackley WAR make the right move? Or, you know, did... Is it petty or, you know, is this a, a big mistake by De Benedetto? You know, is this that, – that'll be the question here. Is this a big mistake by De Benedetto, or a bigger mistake, mistake by Rackley WAR by releasing him before the end of the season?
2: That depends on where he goes. I mean, if I'm it, – it's no different than transferring jobs in the real world. If, if you're going to quit a job, you better have something lined up to replace that job or else you're just going to be on the street. And, you know, if if that is the case – sounds like the bit of Ditto did not brief Rackley WAR at all and they just said "All right, get out of here you're done contract ripped in half you know he just it's going to depend on where he goes to determine if it was a mistake or not or if he goes anywhere if he goes nowhere yes huge mistake you know something is better than nothing So that's my take on it. And what the phrase that
1: interested me in his official statement of leaving was, "I'm fielding offers from all series." And what you, the point that you brought up, (laughs)
0: SRX with no the the cars tour, (laughs) Monster Jam, Formula E, the Five (laughs) Guys, the
1: McDonald's. (laughs) The point that you made with Gold's Gym. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> the the point that you made with needing a, a a backup plan, if he, I I would hope that Matt De Benedetto had ideas of where he would want to go, whether that's Xfinity or maybe a uh, cup. Sort of, you know, yeah, maybe a cup ride that 31's, that offered him. Thirty one's gone now. That there, were, I've seen rumors about. The thirty one car being linked to Matt De Benedetto. However, I do not know how. Well, again, it's hemorr- true they yeah. are
0: official now. It's yeah, hemorr- yeah. Well, but well the, the thirty one car still opens.
1: Yeah, sixteen still open. But so there's a possibility there, even though De Benedetto hasn't raced in Cup in about two years. But it, there's still a possibility there. It it really is just a matter of if he has a backup a backup plan or not. But I'm I'm sure that. He has some sort of idea Otherwise he wouldn't have made this move
0: in the first place I, I think he made this I personally think he made this move without having a backup plan He's done this too many times For it to be a, another coincidence he, he made this move I said it a couple weeks ago When before Rackley W R Had released him I said you know he probably has something Lined up but the more I've sat And stewed upon it I think he did this without having a plan in place, and he just thought things were going to fall in place again, because it's happened before in his career, multiple times. So he's been conditioned to think that this would work, and I I feel bad for him in that respect, because you can't just pick and choose your rides and racing if you don't have any money. It's like if you are Sammy Smith You have all the money in the world He could be doing anything he wants Probably here in the next year or two And you know, he has Pilot Flying J And TMC Trucking behind him He has tens of millions of dollars at his disposal He could go do anything Matt Benedetto has zero. He has nothing behind him. He has his name and his racing career and his accomplishments. You look at his racing reference page. That's it. That is that is Matt Benedetto. He brings no money to the table. He was lucky to even get this truck ride in the first place two years ago, and now he has nothing. It was very late, too, wasn't it? It was very late. You know, I... Truly, don't fault Rackley W A R for making this move this late on in the season. If it wants to try out someone new, maybe that'll be. Maybe somebody steps in the next two, three races, and then that is its driver for next season. Why not? I mean, if De Benedetto doesn't want to be there, then okay, bye. Mm-hmm. You can get a head start on trying to find another ride for next year. Good luck. You know, <laughs> and De Benedetto brings no money, and he thinks that something's going to fall into place. He's, he's already fallen to the truck series. I don't know. I don't know what is next for Matt Benedetto. I, I truly do not know. And he's a talented race car driver. I just don't think he ends up somewhere unless someone with money wants to field a car or a truck or wherever for him. Uh, I wish him the best of luck on his travels or whatever he is doing next season, because I don't know if he's going to be racing. He's certainly not full time. I don't know. All right. So on to the uh, we'll make this the uh, probably the, with the time left in the show. The final topic <laughs> There are eliminations in the playoffs, specifically uh, really in the trucks, the Xfinity series, but we'll talk cup here to close out the show. There were four drivers eliminated in the last round at And after Bristol It was uh, Michael McDowell Who had a strong effort at Bristol Wasn't able to do it Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Just didn't make the cut Kevin Harvick had the most Undrivable car of all time And ended up missing the cut And then last season's Title winner Joey Logano Again the 2022 Cup Series champion Missed the cut So, that leaves the next four on the bubble. Ross Chastain in ninth, Brad Keselowski in tenth, Ryan Blaney in eleventh, and Bubba Wallace in P12, who survived the round of 16. Who will survive this next round? And more specifically, who are the four getting chopped at the end of the next three races? Dale, I will start with you.
2: I have four on my list. I actually have five on my list because I'm I'm torn between the last one. But I said weeks ago that Logano would get eliminated, and he did. Um, so anyways I have Bubba Wallace I just don't see him making it beyond this point um, he barely scathed on uh, to the round of 12 um, Chastain I, the performance just isn't there um, it pains me to say this but Ryan Blaney again the performance I don't see it being there however Talladega and the Roval is in it which is two very good tracks for him and then Kyle Busch, because the performance has fallen so far since the start of the season, he ran twentieth at Bristol all night long and was got pinned like two laps down or something. It just it. Those are the four that I have that I don't see moving on because their performance hasn't been what it needs to be to make the top eight.
1: I I will also say Chas, uh, Chastain and and Blaney as, as, as well. I, I and as well, as Bl- uh, Bubba, excuse me, most of my top four is very similar to yours. And unless Bubba can pull through in either Talladega or the Roval, which he's, he, he had his, uh, a win in the fall Talladega race two years ago and ran well in, in the Roval last year. But, I just don't. I just don't see him pulling th- him pulling through. I considered Kyle Busch, but one of the drivers that just has not impressed me in, in these playoffs that I mentioned last week as well, even though he moved on, was Martin Truex Jr. He's just had lackluster performances these last four weeks, really, and I, I I don't think that it's really been there enough to move on to the next round. I I, I think he falls. In the next round, along with Chastain, who has been finishing around the top twenty the last couple of weeks, I I don't think it's really fallen off for him as well as uh, well as Blaney, even though he's as you said ran well in the last in, in the next two tracks these past couple of years or past last couple of years, I should say.
0: I uh, I think the four that will be getting eliminated. Uh, oof, I, I don't know because I agree with Kyle Busch. I agree with that. Where again, the performance has fallen. You know, I think if he comes out and does not run great at Texas, I don't necessarily know how he's going to do with the Roval. Kyle Busch won Talladega earlier in the year. I mean, if he doesn't do that again, I think he gets eliminated. And I, I think that is RCR's only strength this late in the season. Uh, Chastain started out well at Bristol. I mean, he was running top five. and That was probably the short but sweet. It was the best we had seen the one car run since at least Darlington, and then he f- immediately fell off. He was going a lap down. His teammate was the second. Daniel Suarez was the second car a lap down at Bristol under Green Flag Racing. So, track house is not where it needs to be right now. It's going to take another miracle uh, for that one car to survive this next round. Again, Chastain, another driver who has won at Talladega in, the, in a next gen car. So, it could be possible Talladega, that might be. It will probably end up being the difference maker. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I think Reddick gets eliminated. Ooh, that's I, cold I know, I, Reddick's right on the cut line right now He's three points over the cut line Over Chastain And if he doesn't have a good Texas If Chad, if Reddick does not win Texas I think he gets eliminated I don't think he goes out and wins the Roval And I don't think he does well at Talladega I, I think if he does not do well at Texas He is gone And Ryan Blaney Again, Ryan Blaney Another driver who's had plenty of success at Dega <laughs> And uh, he could win there too and has won at the Roval in the past, but that was under hilarious circumstances where Martin Tricks Jr. And, and Jimmy Johnson wrecked themselves coming to the finish, and Blaney was in third and essentially got a win gifted to him. And since then, I don't remember any, him having a terrific run at the Roval, and just up there challenging for the lead and the win, and... You know Penske has been yeah this year, and I don't think Blaney's going to go out. And even though he has won an All Star race at Texas, I don't think that 12 car goes out and wins at Texas again. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, uh, but I think the two Boulder, and then obviously there's Bubba Wallace too. I say Bubba makes it. That's my bold prediction. On points or on a win? I think he makes it on a win. Talladega. I think he wins Dega. I can certainly say. Or ta- certainly or see Texas. He's got two good tracks. I think 23 is going to have, that is its one shot in the barrel outside of Bubba at Dega is Texas. My last driver was between either Bubba or Kyle Busch,
1: but I just don't think Wallace can really climb out of that hole
0: that he's
1: in currently unless, mm. unless he wins.
0: Now, my four getting chopped are Redick, Chastain, uh, Blaney, and Kyle Busch. And it's bold But I think those are I think those are the guys Getting chopped I think Bubba makes it That's my That is my bold My spicy bold prediction Of the evening Alright so uh, With that uh, Dale Garrett And Sean Kelly It's always a pleasure Having you two on the show And uh, have you, Hope you guys enjoyed It's always a pleasure
2: It is always a pleasure
0: Alright with that that will conclude tonight's program. There's the music rolling in the background per usual. I uh, hope you all enjoyed tonight's show. Uh, it was uh, Again, we'll be back on the airwaves 7 p.m. next week at the uh, same time. Again, uh, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., or at least a little past 8 p.m. We always uh, like to complete the discussion. So this weekend, whether you're going to own a Speedway, watching racing on TV, or through the radio, listening to it, have a good weekend. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.